Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 48, From Psychic Gifts to Healing the Soul. Corby Mitlide is a certified tarot master, psychic medium, teacher, and ordained minister. Reading for almost 50 years, she's a full-time intuitive counselor with clients worldwide. As an author, her self-help volume, Clean Out Your Life Closet, encourages you to write your own story of change based on your history, your life experiences, and your personal goals. Her books, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road and You Got the Magic, Who Needs a Genie, deals with how to use psychic counseling wisely and how to be successful at the Holistic Expo community from the professional side of the aisle. Corby's abilities include tarot and oracle card readings, spiritual and intuitive counseling, past life retrieval, mediumship, and spirit guide conferences, including speaking to one's soul or higher self. Corby is real and practical. We talk about psychic abilities, reading, past lives, and karma. And when is it a good time to seek healing? It's a fun conversation about intuitive abilities and everything that goes with it. Let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest, Kobe. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so happy to speak with you. And I'm so curious about your life. I read your bio and there's so much information there. So I'm really excited about this episode. Let's rock and roll. (laughs) So I always started the podcast the same way, talking about what your love lesson is. And for those that are listening, the love lesson is essentially the catalyst, something in your life that really sparked you, that inspired you, that was a point of which you, your whole life pivoted and brought you to the place that you're the place that you are now specifically around your healing gifts and the offerings that you give to people. I learned to live the examined life. All right. So what's that? The examined life is no matter what happens to you, instead of having a pity party, you know, all right, happening. What's the lesson for me personally? The next question is how do I teach with it next? The gifts I use well, that's the 30-second elevator speech. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And I said, great, there's magic in the world. I want to go find it. 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and yes, that tells you how old I am. I was working <laughs> part-time at Spencer Gifts. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it because we were all hippies. Kept reading for 20 years because I loved the stories. Kept my ego out of the way. All of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. And that's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, greetings, you're working for us. Did the work part-time until 9-11. As my husband and I watched the towers burn, I said to him, I need to do this work full-time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he said, I believe in you, go do it. So for a year, I still worked as an executive recruiter, 70 hours a week, doing this evenings and weekends to make sure I could make a living at it. 2002, I said goodbye to corporate and I've never looked back. That's amazing. So I love that your husband was so supportive. Did you have any doubts? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they go into their intuitive gifts and their empathic gifts, they start to freak out and they feel like, I don't know if this is the right thing for me. And they have this whole crisis around it. Did you experience any of that when this happened? No, because I craved it since I was nine. Mm -hmm. I knew there was stuff out there. I knew it. And um, my husband experienced some of it before we got married. So, he, you know, he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> and the inside of my wedding ring says, I believe in you. So, Aww, that's so I know, I know. That's why he's my hero. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm like a hopeless romantic. I love that kind of stuff. Um, well, okay. So that's great. So you came into your healing gifts. You started to see dead people. Can you see here, mm-hmm. like what specifically are your gifts? All right, um, let, let me go through the roster. I am a certified professional tarot reader and certified tarot master. So tarot and oracle cards are 
wonderful for the everyday tour bus. Here's the kit of all the mm -hmm. cards I use. I am a past life specialist, which means that I retrieve your past lives for you to look at. I'm not a regressionist. That's a hypnotherapist. That's not me. Um, yes, I can talk to your spirit guides and angels. I have a talent for actually channeling your own soul for you to talk to. Wow. Um, I do some numerology. Basically, I'm what I call um, a general practitioner. My whole thing for you is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. Mm -hmm. We are the toolbox that we hand you. We're not the repairman. So that's so, the toolbox. So with the toolbox, are you <laughs> essentially, it sounds like you're giving people information about their souls. And mm -hmm. do you also teach people how they can tap into it for themselves? Um, yes and no. In that I am not a teacher that does psychic development classes. That's that's just not my thing. I do have one formal student now, and it's very much elder and apprentice kind of thing. She's only 14 and already I think she's going to be one of the best readers we've ever seen. She's wow. fabulous. I do teach people things. Um, you notice I had both tarot and oracle decks, very different things. Mm -hmm. I do teach a course called Deck a Dance, which shows people that they can read any oracle deck within 30 seconds of picking it up. Mm -hmm. I tell people, you can do what I do. I'm not special. In fact, I lost a shot at a reality show because they wanted me to be one of the ones that says, well, I am so amazing and I can do what no one else could do. And I said, but that's a lie. That's not what I say. So they said, well, then we can't use you. And I said, fine. Wow. Because everybody has to know that their intuition is there to work with them and to help them. You don't have to pay every Madam Huan, Swami Swalanda, you know, two million bucks to find out which job you should take. I know that's kind of that's exactly what I was getting at, because I feel like a lot of people hold psychics and intuitives in this high pedestal as if they don't have that within themselves. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And we, we, you know, it's more about training and actually, you know, turning your eye towards those gifts. But I feel like everyone has intuitive gifts to some degree. They do. There are an awful lot of good um, psychic development books out there. In fact, let me grab my um, book list that I give to people. And book list. Um, yep, Psychic Protection. Uh, I need my glasses, I'm old. Uh, Balance and Protection for Body, Mind and Spirit by Ted Andrews is terrific. And the way I learned to do my channeling work, Opening to Channel, How to Connect with Your Guides by Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer. Now, there are a lot of people who simply want to use intuitive guidance, but they don't want to learn to do that. And for them, I wrote the book. The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. The because, Flying Monkeys? Yes. The, you know, the ones who say, oh, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four? You have a dog? $50 every family member, 25 for dog. He's small. We fix. Oh, please. I actually saw that happen in Canada. So if... That book shows you what we can do, what we can't do, questions that are useful, when to run because you do not want to be around that psychic, and you know some stuff on mediumship and channeling and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, because there aren't any books out there like that. And I want people to feel safe. If, frankly, they go to a good intuitive consultant, psychic medium, and they get useful information, then they will want to do it themselves if they have any bent toward it, because they'll see it is good. It is useful. It's not devil's work or, you know, crazy stuff. Right. I mean, it's a very good point that you're pointing out, because I feel like I've been to mediums and psychics that I've been very questionable, like, I don't know if that was mm -hmm. true. And that felt kind of mm -hmm. weird. And luckily, I have the know-how and the community to understand like the difference. But for somebody mm -hmm. that has no idea, they're like, I want to get a psychic reading. How would you be able to tell like, this person's BS or this person's actually giving me some valuable information? That's the first chapter. It's called <laughs> Psychics 101, the good, the bad, and the Cleos. Remember Miss Cleo, Jamaican by oh way of East God, Los Angeles? Cleo, yes. And so what I tell people, I give people mnemonics. What's a mnemonic? PTA, Parent Teacher Association. It's the letters that key you in. And the mnemonic is psychic, professionalism, sharing references, you're in control of your own destiny, 
charges. Here, I can't fix anything but a price. Those are the stories. Inappropriate <laughs> actions and connections. If people go through that, then they will know that psychic guidance is art and they won't settle for a forgery. Got it. And also, I feel like for me, at least I, I tune into my energy and how I feel because I feel like if a, mm -hmm. if a psychic tells me something and I feel uncomfortable, Off. like, right. I'm just like, this is that, me. that is a matter of you are in charge. Look, right. I tell people, even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God, and he doesn't have a booth at the psychic fans. <laughs> so, you know, always, if you can, get a recording. I always record for you. My philosophy is you'll never remember everything. And if you're taking notes, you're not listening. Mm -hmm. I'm a New Yorker. I talk fast. So you'll have the recording. Go back and listen to it again. <clears throat> Some things will make complete sense. Some things you will think I'm on Mars and some are kind of eh, not sure, put it away for a while, then come back to it. Because sometimes things that we tell you sound idiotic, but they're right. Um, my favorite story on that um, woman I read in Kitchener, Ontario, I saw a couple of challenging things that I told her. And, you know, it wasn't doom, gloom and destruction. It's this is what I think may come down the pike. And she gets up and she says, you suck. And she walks away. So who's the first person at my desk the next time I'm up there but her? She says, last time I said you sucked. I said, yes, I remember. Because you said that I was going to take in a border and then I was going to sell my house. And I thought that was bull. But my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house to raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you say. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I didn't say you would, you would. I said, this is a possibility. Right. Always. I was going to ask you. That. Yeah. Yeah. You have an option on how to do it. For instance, if some, you know, 95% of the questions are romance. Always. So let's say a woman comes and says, does Bruce love me? I don't know anymore. And I'll have a card for her, a card for Bruce, a card for the relationship, what she needs to know and best possible outcome. And I'll tell her what I see. And if she goes, I still don't know, then she gets what I call the three threes. Three cards, status quo, you just kind of bumble along. Three cards for the come to Jesus meeting where there's serious canceling and a line is sent. Three cards for hostile bye-bye, it's been nice, I'm gone. And unless she tells me that she is abused, I should, even if the honey, you better leave is blinking at me, I have to zip it and let her choose because that's her free will. Mm. But again, if she says, you know, uh, when he gets drunk, you know, sometimes he hits me. No. Then the psychic medium hat comes off and the pastor's collar goes on because I am a minister. And I tell her, no, you do not have to settle for this. Like mm -hmm. you deserve more. Mm -hmm. But no, I always tell my people what they can do. I'm an empowering reader instead of um, yes or no. Mm -hmm. If you came to me about business i would not flip a few cards and say wait until october and fire the second redhead what it's card for you a card for the energy around the business the brick and mortar location how to market it clients competition staff finances what you need to know and best possible outcome now i will tell you exactly what i see there but that gives you the possibility to make changes move things forward now i admit sometimes there are cards i don't know where they come from Three of Pentacles card usually means mastery long-term. But I looked at this card and what came out of my mouth is there is a deconsecrated or abandoned church and that's where you need to open up a cafe bakery. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I saying? And the couple I'm reading for it looks at each other and nods and says, yeah, we know which one we've been arguing for two years. That's an example of spirits doing the reading. It's right. not just me. The channel, you, just, you channeled information. That's right. That's right. Got it. Yeah, I always wonder about that because I've gotten readings where they're like, these, these are the possibilities of what can happen. And sometimes they happen and sometimes they don't. And that's the 85 rule. Mm -hmm, where I'm just kind of like, okay, it's nice to know that, that the, you see these possibilities for me and then mm -hmm. life kind of happens. And I always wonder if I made a choice along the line that shifted that possibility of what. The, Absolutely. Right? 
you know, that's the whole thing about free will. One of the things I do when I, uh, I learn to get past lives when I work with Robert Schwartz in his book series about life between lives. And people say, well, if you say we all do pre-birth planning, how can you have free will? It's very simple. Let's say you enroll at Spelman. You decide to be a history major. That's your life plan. But you could take gut courses or double major plus lab. That's free will. Either way, you graduate with the degree. See how that's different? Right. There you go. Yeah, it's totally. And it also feels like we have we have control of the choices that we make, but then we also mm -hmm. are on our soul's destiny and journey where it's like predetermined, like we were going to be healers no matter what we wanted to do in life. Exactly. We would have exactly. been healers. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I guess we had a choice on which type of healing modality we wanted to go towards. Mm -hmm. And did you want to be a, an official healer? My brother is world famous pulmonologist for uh, cystic fibrosis and asthma. Or do you want to be like me? Yeah, I do hands-on healing, but I also help heal the soul. Mm -hmm. Healing is healing. Healing is healing. And I guess you, you got you get shown which is more comfortable for you and what's what's more. Oh yeah, I fainted blood. Everyone else in my family is medical. I fainted blood. No, we're going this way. <laughs> well, how did they feel when you told them that you wanted to become a, that you're a psychic and you have all these gifts? Well, um, my mother was long dead before any of this happened. My stepmother knew it and understood it. My father, who was my best friend, died 20 years ago and comes in to help when I have a medical consult because he was a great cardiologist. My brother loves me dearly, but does not believe in psychic work. So he doesn't even tell people I'm a psychic. He doesn't want to hear about my work. He tells people I'm a motivational speaker. Interesting. Okay. You know, it is what it is. Doesn't mean I don't love him, but it also doesn't mean I'm going to deny who I really am. Yeah. Well, how do you communicate to people that look at you and they're like, oh, I don't believe in this. This is BS. Like you're, you worship the devil. Like this is all crap. Like what's your response in those um, moments that have, of serious adversity of what you do? I kind of look over the glasses and say, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> because number one, the reason I do this work is it's in service. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, it ain't me. This is how you help. I'm a non-denominational but ordained minister, not Church of Satan, guys, hello. Uh, and I just remind people, what about Acts chapter two, honey? These things can you do, you know? Um, I don't know my New Testament very well, but I know that part <laughs> because we all have these gifts. I'm not special. We're all wired like the same tract house. The way I explain it to him is this. We all have 10 fingers. Everybody can play chopsticks. Some of us are really fascinated by the music. So we learn scales, we do the exercises, we learn how to read music. We get pretty good. One in 10 million is Elton John. I don't count myself as an Elton John, but I'm someone who's practiced and I've gotten pretty good. I like that analogy. People like stories. Mm -hmm. They remember stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also think it's important for people to remember that we're all different, but we're all the same. Mm -hmm. And the possibilities for one is available to all of us. And you're right, like I could never be Beyonce, but I love dancing. <laughs> you know, and I think eventually they're gonna find the science in this. <laughs> um, there was a book by Mark Twain, a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's course. And, and somebody goes back and it's time traveling. He has a box of matches in his pocket. Mm -hmm. Now we know what the science is behind a box of matches. We don't look at it and go, matches! But 14th century England, they did. And they almost burned him as a sorcerer. Mm. The matches haven't changed. Their understanding of it changed. Right. So. Right. It'll be the same thing with what we do. True. That's a very good point. And another question I had about past lives, because a lot of people mm -hmm. talk about past lives and they have all these questions mm -hmm. about past <clears throat> lives and we have yep. multiple past lives. Um, oh, how yeah. important is it to focus on past lives when we there? There's also this spirituality of, of like being in the moment, being in the present. That's how right. That is just one of the best questions. And I wish people would ask that more often. You see, why don't we remember past lives is because we are supposed to be living now. Mm -hmm. But if you keep 
banging up against a situation you do not understand. Sometimes going back and finding a specific past life will make a difference. Uh, two fast examples. There was a woman who came to me and said, look, I don't know if it's a past life or what, but you know, my son's in his late 20s and he can't live more than two blocks away from me. He asks me about everything. It's like, he's afraid to live without me. Wow. What's going on? And I said, all right, took me about five seconds. I see Utah Beach on D-Day. You were his commanding officer. He got shrapnel in the leg. He would have died on the beach, but you grabbed him. You pulled him to safety. You took some wounds yourself, but you both got out alive. Mm -hmm. And she looks at me and she very quietly says, what was my rank? I said, you were a sergeant. And she goes, since he was three, he's always called me sergeant. We have never known why. Whoa. Another one was a woman who's always very interested in the Underground Railroad. She never understood why. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, I, there's a vision I'm getting. You're in a small whitewashed room. Uh, you're, it looks like it's about 1862 or three because I see you in a dress at the time. It's gray, it's got black soutache trim. Mm -hmm. And the ceiling is so low, you have two men with you but they're kind of bending over because they're too tall for the room. Mm -hmm. And in a rickety iron single bed is uh, a very wizened old black woman and she's dying and all of you have so much grief because she was so close to getting across the way but she, she's dying, she can't make it. Mm -hmm. And the woman looks at me with tears running down her face saying, I've had that dream for 20 years exactly and I've never known why. Wow. Okay, so those are examples. This is not, I must've been Anne Boleyn because I can't wear a turtleneck. Don't <laughs> give me that horse hockey, no. <laughs> Um, but it's one of the other reasons why if someone says, I'd like to know about my past lives, and they just sit there expectantly like a dog waiting for a chew bone, it's like, no, I don't do it that way. Mm -hmm. You have a problem to deal with or an obsession or a place you either love or hate and you don't understand why, then yes, I will go looking for you. Mm -hmm. It's much more important for you to live now. Yeah, like I had the same dream when I was 10, like for 10 years when I was a kid that mm -hmm. I drowned. Like every night I dreamed mm -hmm. I was drowning. I was drowning. It Was, was like, it always in the same place? Always in the same place. The only difference was that the water was different. But sometimes it'd mm -hmm. be clear, sometimes it'd be murky, sometimes there'd be sharks. And then I almost drowned at the age of seven. And mm -hmm. I kept having this dream. It was like a pirate ship. And I was mm -hmm. so upset at this dream one day. I was like, I was will I willed my mind. I was like, I'm done. I cannot have this dream anymore. And the dream stopped. Good. And Good I almost drowned and I was scared of water. And then I eventually learned how to swim at the age of 35. And, I, and now I could swim. And one day, I think in my 20s, the dream came back. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we are not doing this dream. That's called lucid dreaming. And you can teach yourself how to do that. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was lucid dreaming. When you can actually mm -hmm. control your dreams. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what lucid dreaming is. Oh, okay. And, um, but I always thought like I, I must, I must've been in past life that I died and drowning, drowning. And mm -hmm. yeah, but it was really interesting when I was able to get over it. I was like, a lot of people have this dream and I talked to other people and they're like, I've had a similar dream where you're drowning and you're drowning. And it's just so crazy how many life experiences we all share. Yeah. Now it could be a past life, but also it could be metaphor. How many of us have dreams that we're in school years mm -hmm. after we've graduated and we didn't study for a test or we show up at school with no pants or, <laughs> you know, I just, we didn't do that. Yeah. And we didn't do that in a past life. That's just nerds. That's true so too. That's, yeah. that's one of the other reasons why yeah. people trust me as an intuitive, mm -hmm. because I don't try to convince them everything is glurpy purple with angels. Sometimes, right. you know, don't, don't a cup you of tea is just a cup of tea. True. Don't you love people that are like, I got a past life and I was a princess and I was a queen. I'm like, what? You know, it's always these positive. I was Cleopatra. And I'm like, really? How many people can be Cleopatra in a past life? I always think it's so fascinating because you never get, I never hear people say, oh, I was a prostitute or I was homeless or it's. They hadn't talked to me. <laughs> I've had lives that I've channeled for people like that. The thing is yeah. in this world, where so many of us feel powerless, mm -hmm. we want to think that we had power before. Right, okay? that makes sense. Yeah. But we've all been saints and sinners, mm -hmm. victims and murderers, mm -hmm. kind people and monsters. Mm 
because the soul has so many experiences that it needs for learning. Um, the way I explain it to people, let's use another analogy, Matt Smith, the actor. Now, Matt was the 11th doctor on Doctor Who. He's my doctor. But he was also Prince Philip, the first two seasons of The Crown. Mm -hmm. These are totally different characters, but they were both played by Matt Smith. Think of the 11th doctor and Prince Philip as incarnations. Matt Smith is the soul that had them both. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't mean that if you're nice this life, you're always nice, or if you're an idiot, you haven't been a PhD candidate somewhere else. Well, is it, well, in terms of karma, how does mm -hmm. karma kind of play in with the um, past lives? Because the karma, you always want to go. Hitting all the right stuff. Good. Um, karma is not bad and good, carrot and stick. Okay. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I've done the cancer dance three times. They would think she must have really fucked. No. Karma is five things unbalanced energy, which is a neutral, mm -hmm. healing, service, contrast, and healing of beliefs. Now, the example I love is Ryan White. Now, if you remember Ryan White, he was the kid who died of AIDS very right. early in the pandemic. Right. He got it from a blood transfusion, but he was treated as a pariah. People were cruel. Mm -hmm. But along comes Elton John. And Elton at that point was deep into the drink and the drugs and the crazy. But he really got attached to Ryan and became close friends with Ryan and his mom. When Ryan died, Elton played at the funeral and Elton was so moved by Ryan's courage that it got Elton finally to get sober and off the drugs and the drink and the crazy. And Ryan inspired him to start the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which has raised half a billion dollars for AIDS and HIV help worldwide. Hmm. Ryan White did not get AIDS and die young because he was bad. My understanding is that is a courageous soul who said, short time, tough life, but look at the difference I can make. Mm, true. That's a very good perspective from, because uh, from, for, because a lot of people would be like, oh, this little kid is dying and suffering. He must have done something bad, especially when like little babies get cancer or chemo. You're like, what did this soul do to come into this world mm -hmm. and die with such a horrific, in such a horrific the way? The soul only sees it as a role it plays. That's why the idea of reincarnation versus the Bible says we're only once. You're both right. Yes, this soul will reincarnate time and time again. Corby Nitmalan gets one shot, one and done. I will never be back in this particular recipe again. Mm -hmm. So that's why, yes, it's both. Yeah, there's so much. And what about with our little pea brains? You know, we can <laughs> I schnut, I schnut. And then it's like also the, the idea that time is continuously happening all at the same time. It's a but, web, not a line. And I can't give you an analogy for that because that kind of <laughs> leaks out my ears too. <laughs> but supposedly, um, I am living my life as, as a Chicago woman in 1948 and the World War One pilot in 1915. At the same time, I'm living this life in 2021. Right, which kind of like blows my mind because... Mm -hmm. Have you ever read the book Oversoul 7 by... Um, oh, Jane are Roberts? you kidding? Jane Roberts and Seth, that was one of my earliest introductions to reincarnation and yeah. time and lives. Yes. I love that yeah. book. And that book yes. blew my mind because it was so like, okay, all these timelines are happening all at the same time, even though they're mm -hmm. thousands of years apart. And what I loved about it is like one life, one with one person healed in one life, it affected all of the lifetimes. So it was a right. continuous healing healing circle, uh, so to speak. And mm -hmm. so with this past life concept and even future lives, so if somebody in our present life was able to shift something about their psyche or their heart, it would then make sense that it would heal their future and past, right? That's right. And, and don't worry that you don't have all of it. Would you bring an ant into your calculus class and sit it down with a tiny pen and paper and say, solve that? No, it doesn't have the brain power. It doesn't. Right. And, and we don't, you know, our, our little bitty us's don't have that brain power to understand all of it, at least yeah. not yet. Right. Yeah. But it's just so fascinating just to, that 
the whole concept I just find to be so fascinating, even though part mm-hmm. of me totally doesn't understand how it all works. But I just think it's such right. a beautiful, beautiful idea that we can, there's, that it's more time and healing and lifetimes are just more fluid than we think it is. Yes, and it's why judgment just doesn't work. You know, it's it's better to go through life like a happy Martian detective. <laughs> here's Here's how you do that. Let's say you and I were sitting across from each other and you had water coming out of your eyes. I might look at you and say, why are you crying? But then you got a Martian who has been assigned to come down to earth and investigate people. He knows from nothing about humanity, but he's so excited about his job. So he would toddle up to you and go, why is there water coming from your eyes? And the Martian might be right because maybe your contact lenses are bugging you, or maybe you have allergies, or maybe there's an emotional basis because he went from a total clean slate. It's more likely he'll get the true answer than someone who thinks they know what's happening already. Yes. Yeah, the thing about judgment that I find the most challenging is the self-judgment, like judging, mm-hmm. judging myself. Cause I feel like I'm so harsh with my own inner world that it's a lot easier to be harsh towards others because I'm so Mm -hmm. highly critical of myself. So for me, working on judgment has really been, how can I be less judgmental about myself and my choices and be more peaceful around and accept myself to allow myself to have more acceptance to others. Mm -hmm. And as a New Yorker, I don't know if it's like ingrained in the city streets, (laughs) just become a judgmental person or very critical and very hypervigilant and Hypervigilant, maybe, but um, we have to make changes. It's one of the reasons why I so love and honor millennials, Gen Zs, because they are making massive shifts in how we are with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the whole thing. Okay, boomer. Yeah, I'm 66. I'm technically a boomer, but I think of myself as an elder. What's the difference? An elder knows they have things to teach but it's hands off. We are moving off the stage. Boomers tend to want to still have it all about them because we've always had it all about us. Not anymore. We can help the young with what we know, but we have to make room for them to adapt it, change it, throw out what doesn't work for them. Okay. Um, That's part of the very first book I wrote, which is clean out your life closet, clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. That's how we can change. Mm. You always ask yourself three questions. And I learned this at the Option Institute, which was a great place in Massachusetts back in the eighties. Number one, what am I X about? X is happy, sad, angry, afraid. Why am I X about that? And the magic question we never ask ourselves What do I think would happen if I stopped being X about that? Mm, That's a big one. That allows us to envision our lives completely differently. Yeah. To have that. The other, the other thing I'm going to tell you about is back to my book list. There is something called ask formations by Christine Alexandria. You know, a lot of people don't like affirmations. It's I am beautiful and thin. And our egos go, are you kidding? You're 30 pounds overweight and you're 66. And what are you, who's going to believe that? <laughs> but, but if instead you ask for me, which is, why is it so easy for me to believe I'm beautiful? The ego goes, and so there's nothing blocking it from actually getting into your subconscious. Wait, say that again. If we write the affirmation, mm-hmm. I am beautiful, right. and we don't really believe it, then our ego comes in and says, what do you mean you're beautiful? You know you're not. There's always this blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But if we say, why is it easy for me to believe I'm beautiful? Why is it easy? Is it easy for me to believe I'm beautiful? Uh, the ego is like, and it shuts up, and it gets into our subconscious where it needs to be. So again, that's Ask Formations by Christine Alexandria. Why is it easy? Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't make it a negative. Why isn't it? No. Easy? Right. No, always. Always positive. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why do I love what I've gained as I've grown older? Mm. But you're asking the question not necessarily to, to answer it. 
you are waiting for your subconscious to answer that. Mm, okay. okay. Our subconscious and the universe, it's a short order cook with no imagination. If we think, <laughs> I want to believe I'm beautiful, but I never can. Wants to believe she's beautiful, never can. Ordering. Mm. But if the question is, why is it so easy for me to believe I'm beautiful? Easy to believe she's beautiful. Ordering. Got it. There's yeah. your difference. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's exact, it reads exactly what you say. As mm -hmm. It does. Yeah, it's a hard one. I feel like a lot of us run more negative thoughts than positives. And I know for the me, reason why, mm -hmm. in a sense, it's easier for us to hurt ourselves than to let other people do it when we least expect it. We are taught, you know, mm -hmm. don't have pride, pride's bad. I mean, yeah, I'll use an example. A lot of women don't know what they want, even when they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s because it's basically been beaten out of them. You're two, you have the shiny thing on a white thing and you reach your mom goes, bad, hot. You're four, here's a plate of cookies. You're smart, you know there's more in the big cookie than the little cookie. So you reach for the big cookie, your mother goes, no, bad, and you're selfish. Mm. And she says, besides, girls who eat cookies get fat. Nobody likes a fat girl. Do you really want to be fat? And she gives the cookie to your little brother who eats it at you. Ha ha, I've got I it. I feel, like, to I the feel point, like you're talking about my life. <laughs> yes, to the point where by the time a girl is six, seven, she has been taught subliminally, if you want anything, you're wrong, you're bad, you're going to be punished and you have to watch somebody else get it. So it's safer not to want. Mm -hmm. And you might get but fat that's a hard too much. Yes. Um, you know, technically, I could say that, yes, I'm um, an overweight old woman at 66. I prefer to think that I'm an elegant matron of a certain size. Now, look <laughs> at just how you say that will change it. Yeah, you know, it's so, so crazy because I feel like it comes from a good intention, really. You know, I, I feel like my mom... It's all our mother knew. Right. And, um, but it's interesting how, like, I'm replaying what my mom mm -hmm. says, I'm just like, God, it's so interesting. I'm 40 and I'm still playing the tapes that my mom said when I was a kid. We, so we cannot do that. I mean, my mother, you know, she's dead almost 40 years, but she was an alcoholic cross addicted with barbiturates who used to tell me, I think I'm wonderful and you don't deserve me. That's a hell of a thing to say to a kid. Mm -hmm. And it took me years to fight through that. Mm -hmm. And thank God, my father, after my mother died, married an absolutely glorious woman named Shirley, who was the best stepmother one could have and did so much to heal the damage my mother had done. Oh, you know, beautiful. yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's never a wicked stepmother. It's that fabulous stepmother. So, yeah, that's amazing. Well, let's get into the infinite love questions. Yes. Okay. So how do you use love in your work? I put my ego on the shelf and I completely and totally concentrate on my client with compassion and remembering that it's their answers. Mm -hmm. And the best thing I can do is say to them, you've got your own answers. You're strong. You can do this. Okay. I love that. How is your work used to serve humanity? The less we hurt, the more we trust ourselves, the less we feel the need to keep our boundaries up and our fists cocked, the more our hands open to somebody else. And again, teaching that one magnificent 14 year old, she's the next generation of intuitive readers. So I'm paying it forward. Beautiful. What does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? It means to get out of my own way, to, to not doubt myself. Again, ego, ego mm -hmm. is where our anger and our negativity lives. When I remember I'm just the tube that the information comes through, then 
I can get out of my own way. I can help others. I can feed the world with heart food, which is what they need. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe my own press. I am not one of those psychics who thinks ah, my aura don't stink. <laughs> my aura doesn't stink. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay. What do you love most about your life? I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. Yeah, I work six days a week and it's 14 hours a day, but it's helping to change lives. It's talking to people that I'll never meet in person. It's writing. Words are my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. And it's a husband who says, I'm incredibly proud of my wife and what she does. That doesn't hurt. I also recommend 26 pound Maine Coon cats for cuddles. That's good too. 26 pounds of what? Maine Coon cat. You have a Maine cat. Coon. That, you have a cat that's 26 pounds? Yes, but he's not fat. Wow. Maine Maine Coon cats are the largest domestic breed. He's about this big, nose to butt, and he's this high, and wow. he's like a little dog in a cat suit. <laughs> he is social and affectionate. Um, he herds the family. We call him the high commander of the house because, every, you know, I'm checking on you. I'm checking on you. I'm checking on you. Um, yeah, Maine Coons are just the best. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> okay. How do you feel you receive love? When I get out of my own way which is even at this age is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to say it's one of the reasons whether you read a book or you have a session with someone like me or a healer, if there is a place to review them online, please, please do. Because if I read a thousand people a year and I do, um, maybe 25 or 30 or 40, will say it was wonderful and thank you. Mm-hmm. I, the rest of it, I just have to hope it worked. Okay. Yeah. And I've learned to say, thank you. Again, this thing that we're taught, if somebody offers me help or flowers or whatever, I don't say, no, it's okay. I don't say, no, you don't have to do that. I say, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard for us, but I remind people when you offer something to someone, and you so much want to gift it to them. How do you feel if they say no thanks? You kind of wilt. Don't make other people wilt. Take and say thank you. Let the love in. You don't have to hit a certain level to deserve to be loved. Yeah, very true. You mentioned this a few times about moving mm-hmm. your ego aside mm-hmm. and really allowing your gifts to come through and allowing mm-hmm. yourself to receive love. And I feel like a lot of people have a hard time with that. So what was, what was your method in, in order to be able to firmly say in this moment, I've pushed my ego aside and I'm fully present with this person or in this situation? You stop thinking in your head mm-hmm. about what you're going to say. I mean, how many of us, when someone else says half of what they're going to say, we're already thinking of a cool answer. <laughs> Wrong. Um, <laughs> that was the buzzer. Um, when all I'm doing is I'm looking at you, just feeling internally grateful that we're here and I'm truly listening to what you say, my ego has no place here because I want to give you the truest and most authentic answer I can. Ego is a shield. Ego is my aura don't stink. Ego is, oh my God, I have to look right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons that people love coming to me as a psychic medium is I'm not one of those, yes, I am so amazing. And seven generations of, I said, no, look, I'm funny. You can't deal with the funny side. Just, you're not going to be here. I have done stand-up comedy on You Think a Psychic's Life is Easy. So, you know, when I take my work seriously, but me not so much, again, that's the ego on the shelf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're, it sounds like it's being more open-hearted and being in your heart and allowing that mm-hmm. to kind of lead the way. Yes. Though I will say, when I'm wrestling with something in my own life, guaranteed in a week, I will deal with four people doing the same thing 
dealing with the same thing. And while I'm being there and I'm just rocking and rolling for them, I can feel my own guides going, dummy, you're listening. <laughs> but I can't, I, I acknowledge that, but I have to stay here. Right. And then maybe later I will think about the four people that had the same situation and I'll sit and I'll chew on it with my own stuff. But I mm -hmm. cannot do it when I'm with you. Right. I have to stay completely focused on you or we're going to lose the thread of what we need to do. Mm -hmm. It's like the, um, I had, a, I have my, my mentor says, you know, those that heal also heal themselves, like get, give a healing, get a healing kind of thing. Yes. Yes. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when do you feel the most love? When do I feel the most love? When I get out of my own way and I give myself what I call a gratitude bubble. What's a gratitude That's bubble? when I just, I'm preternaturally aware. Maybe the cats are sleeping on the cat tree with their little schnurzels. And um, it's beautiful outside. We have a little bungalow in the middle of a 12 acre hayfield. And I'm looking at the books I've written and I'm looking at a note from a friend and I'm looking at an office and saying, dang, I haven't had to work in corporate land for two decades. All of a sudden it's just boom, you know? And, and the gratitude that I get to do what I do is beyond belief. Mm -hmm. But you know, there are a lot of people out there who think they have to stay in corporate land and blah, 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 blah. I'm actually going to do something very unusual. I'm going okay. to shill for a friend's book. This is my buddy, Shannon Hayes. Anybody who's been on my Facebook page knows I always go to her cafe Saturday morning breakfast. Redefining rich. Achieving true wealth with small business side hustles and smart living. Oh. If I had had this book in my 30s, a lot of my life would have been a lot happier. Really? Uh, yes, because a lot of us take a job because we think we have to make money. We have to have the career, blah, blah, blah. I didn't go for my passion until my late 40s. 9-11 happened. But in this decade, this post-COVID world where you can't depend on work and you don't know if you're, they're going to stay and everybody is this gig economy. This helps you understand how to do it without driving yourself crazy and thinking, I can't possibly leave my job because my entire life will implode. I left a $70,000 a year job as an executive recruiter to do this. First couple of years were a little nerve wracking, but I'm so much happier now. My whole list of expenses has turned on its head. Yeah. It can be less expensive for you to work for yourself than to let somebody else give you a paycheck. That is when you truly love yourself, mm -hmm. when you support what you love instead of, you know, it's like I said, I worked for a law firm when I was an actress in New York. I don't like lawyers. And I worked in Atlanta. Again, this guy is, is long dead for one of the meanest SOBs who was a corporate lawyer and was expert at squashing the little guys. Now that's not me, but that's what made me the money. So when I decided, no, I will live my truth. I gritted my teeth and I took the jump and it took a couple of years to get it, but 20 years down the line, best thing I ever did. I can give love when I'm not afraid of losing my job. Right. Fear doesn't live. I love that. My last question is, where yeah. has love created a miracle in your life? Um, I'd say my marriage, you know, in, in um, the, the Clean Out Your Life closet, I teach people six degrees of successful stumbling. How can getting fired from my job connect with my marrying the man of my dreams? Watch this. Because I kept getting fired from jobs, I decided I would work for myself. Because I worked for myself, I discovered I didn't need to rely on a man for financial well-being. 
because I didn't need to rely on a man for financial well-being, I didn't feel desperate to marry. Because I didn't feel desperate to marry, I chose to have relationships with men I could trust rather than men with money. Because I changed my parameters around what kind of a man was good for me, I met my Carl. Because I met Carl, I discovered that what I was truly seeking wasn't money or security, but a trustworthy, funny, honest, and best friend. And so I married the man of my dreams. Every difficult thing that happens to you has the seed of greatness in it, if you're willing to look at it and let it grow. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. How can people find you, work with you? Tell us the details. Oh, I'm hard to avoid. Um, <laughs> you find me at my website, CorbyMitlai.com. You find me on Facebook at Fire Through Spirit. You find me on Pinterest and Instagram and YouTube and Patreon at Corby Midlight. And you find my books at Amazon. They're all uh, paperback and Kindle. And if you really like Clean Out Your Life Closet, that I did as an audiobook as well. With your voice? Mine. I, wow. I believe very, very strongly. Um, if you're writing a nonfiction book and you have any kind of a voice, you are the one who should read it because it was your passion that went on the page. It's not fiction. Right, and then you get all the energy from your voice and everything. Mm -hmm. You do. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. I am so grateful to you and I'm sending you so much love. Thank you, I loved it. You asked some really fabulous questions that I don't always get to answer and I had a blast. <laughs> thank you, bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.